I take it extremely seriously what he wants me to say and how he wants me to say it because uh, uh, my responsibility is to hear from the Lord what he wants me to say. Amen? And, uh, and I don't want to uh, use the word jip anybody. I want to give you exactly what the Holy Ghost is saying to us right now to help us, to lift us up, to build us up. Amen? Praise God. I'm a, I'm a firm believer that when we come together uh, in the body of Christ, when we come together that we should leave differently than what we came in. And I don't mean worse. I mean better. You know, when people sat at the pre- in the feet of Jesus and they were in his meetings or the apostles, you know, they came out differently than when they first arrived. And I don't believe it's any different today. Amen? His presence is here. Glory be to God. Heavenly Father, today we just commit this time to you. We thank you for your divine presence, the presence of God, the presence of the Holy Spirit, and the presence of Jesus that's here in this room. We welcome here him here in this place to have 100% your will today, Lord. Will your kingdom come. Your will be done here in this place. Thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. We... Uh, started a series uh, two weeks ago. We've entitled this series, Determine to Win. If you're taking notes, Determine to Win. And of course, in order to win, there has to be a determination. Amen? And I began to see some things in my heart, in my spirit as I began to pray about this, you know. And uh, when it comes to uh, uh, choosing a series or a teaching for the most part, you know, if you've been here any length of time, I teach in series. That's just how the Lord's directed me. Every once in a while, we'll throw a wonder in there, you know, one time or in there. But for the most part, I teach on a series so we can build on a foundation. And so, in, in my time of prayer with the Lord and fellowshipping with Him and talking to Him, He began to put some thoughts. And, you know, sometimes we wonder, how does God speak to us? He begins to put thoughts in your mind, ideas, concepts. He puts them in your heart as you begin to pray and you just act that out. Praise the Lord. So I begin to see some things because one of the things that all of us have collectively dealt with over the last couple of years, it's been a very harsh season. How many know what I'm talking about? It's been a very, very harsh season as far as uh, the landscape of the land and the political realm and all the different, not just our nation, but all the nations. Amen. And with the whole COVID narrative that took place and so forth, it's been a very harsh season. Okay. But God is not surprised by any of that. Amen. He, he understands and He has answers for us even in the midst of turmoil and things like that. And we can win and we will win over these situations. Praise the Lord. Now I, I gave you some information last week about the word determine and I looked up some other words for the word determine. And it means confident, positive, sure, earnest, steadfast, serious, unfaltering, unhesitating, unswerving, unwavering. Okay? So to be determined, if you're determined to accomplish something, you're going to win. Amen? And I believe that God put in the heart of every human being that walked upon this earth a determination that you want to win in life. Nobody wants to lose. How many of you know that? Nobody wants to lose in life. We want to win. And I'm so thankful. I know my pastor, when I was in, uh, an associate pastor many, many years ago in the state of Texas, to be exact, 1984 and 85, okay, when I was uh, assistant pastor down there. Uh, my pastor used to say, you know, and he was a, 
he was a Texan, he was a southern boy, <laughs> you know. It took me a while to interpret what he was actually saying in English. He would say things to me and I would say, can you repeat that very slowly, you know, because <laughs> of his southern drawl, you know. And, uh, and finally, I used to get frustrated with me because I'd say, please slow down and say that again. I want to make sure, you know, because sometimes he would have me give the announcements and I wasn't sure what he was trying to tell me to say. Because it was in a, he had a real southern accent. You know what I'm saying? Well, I'm a northern boy. You know what I'm saying? I wasn't used to it. So I wanted to make sure I heard what he was saying. <laughs> Amen. And, um, but he used to say things. He, had, he was at a powerful ministry, him and his wife. And, and he used to say, most people were at the place when they come to church that their back hurts and they need a new refrigerator. And they want to know how to get help. Okay? Well, we would say that's practical. Amen. Well, thank God he has the answers, answers for those things, right? Hallelujah. So we have to be determined to win. And, and, and I believe that in the heart of every person, you know, the reason, the reason that people are, get depressed, even Christians get depressed, is because they, they don't, it's not that they don't have faith, they don't have hope. You have to have hope before you have faith. Hope is like, I think God can do this. Will he do this? You know what I mean? So you have to have hope. But faith says, I know he'll do it. You grab on. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, the Bible says. So you have to have Bible hope. When you preach the word of God, it doesn't produce faith for It produces hope. In other words, if somebody needs healing in their body, for example, and they hear scriptures and a teaching about healing, what does that do? That gives a person an expectation of like, well... I can see where Jesus healed in the Bible. I hear other testimonies. That means I can be healed. Amen? That's why testimonies are so powerful when they're based on the Word of God. But uh, we came to this scripture here, Mark chapter 11, just one verse right here. And this is the key. I'm giving you keys here to uh, being determined to win. Keys being determined to win. We may mention of the fact that, you know, uh, this time of year, football season with the NFL starting, or any other sport, but NFL's right now, their goal, each team's goal at the beginning of the year is to win the Super Bowl. Okay? All right? And, uh, you know, that's, that's for the most, that should be their goal. You know what I'm saying? Out of what are, how many teams are there in the NFL? 30? 32. Okay, thank you. And um, so out of 32 teams, how many is going to win the Super Bowl? One team, right? Well, for a team to get to that place, they have to be determined from the preseason moving forward. They have to be determined to, you know, be, uh, uh, not let obstacles hold them back or setbacks or injuries hold them back, okay? And there's a lot of stuff that they have to overcome. Now, I made mention of the fact last week, and matter of fact, the last two weeks, and, and I heard the Lord say this to me a, a number of years ago. He said, anybody, and I heard this in my spirit, He said, anybody that's ever achieved anything in the Bible had adversity, obstacles to overcome. Anybody that we read about in the Bible, you look at Moses, you look at David, you look at Paul, you look at the apostles, or anybody anybody in the New Testament or the Old Testament, they had obstacles to overcome. David had Goliath, right? You know, he had Saul coming after him, you know? And, And you have Moses, you have Pharaoh, which was a major obstacle, okay? And all the different things that you could easily give an excuse for not winning. But anybody that accomplished anything that we read about in the Bible had obstacles to overcome. All right? Why would it be any different today? And I say this 
that any and every obstacle that we face in life is overcomable. Everything that you face. Everything that you face in this life. And don't give out the old excuse. Some people say, well, I know that when I get to heaven, things are going to be better. What a lame excuse that is. That's a given. That takes no effort at all. But the Bible says in several places, to he that overcometh, I will give him this. So the overcoming is not in heaven. There's nothing to overcome there. Overcoming is on the earth where there's enemies. God prepares a table before us in the what? In the presence of our enemies. Well, there's no enemies in heaven. Amen? And so, in Mark chapter 11, Jesus said this, Jesus answered and saith unto them, Have faith in God. Let's say that together. Have faith in God. Want to bring that up there, bro? Mark eleven twenty two. Have faith in God. Say it again. Have faith in God. All right. Now, when we face obstacles and we face adversity in this life, we have to remember this scripture right here. This is, this is just four words. Have faith in God. Now, it sounds like a cliche, have faith in God. Yeah, but Pastor Keith, what about the economy? Have faith in God. What about my marriage? Have faith in God. What about my kids? Have faith in God. Right? What about the future of our country? Have faith in God. Praise the Lord. Now, it didn't say and try to figure that out. It just says have faith in God. Well, how do you do that? You know, if Jesus said, have faith in God, then there's a, there's a part that we have in that, but there's also God's part. We're not qualified to do God's part. We're qualified to do our part. Now, like you have and I have and, and a lot of us have, there's things that you face in this life. There's obstacles and trials and stuff that you face in this life. And some of them can be pretty persistent. How many of you find that to be true? Some of them can be, man, this has been going on a long time. You know what I'm saying? And we tend to look at our watches, we look at our calendar, and we think, my God, is this my lot in life? Is it ever going to change? Yes. Okay? And I believe this is the season now. This is the season that we're in right now. You know, tis the season. I'm not talking about Christmas. I'm talking about with Jesus. Amen? Hallelujah. That this is the season for supernatural God breakthroughs for the people of God to the point where you will break down in tears crying for joy over what God has done for you. You think, my God, I didn't think it would happen like that, but it happened. And I believe in my heart of hearts. Now, I'm not a prophet. You may not be a prophet, but we can still hear from heaven. We can still hear from God. We have the Holy Ghost on the inside of us. And I believe that God's greatest breakthroughs for you as an individual, are just in the horizon right now. They're right there for us. Amen? Now, Pastor, don't tease me with that. Don't just dangle the carrot out there. I'm not. I wouldn't do that. Okay? Because I know what he's spoken to me. And God has good things in store for each one of us. And I don't mean good. I mean great things in store for us. 
and the harshness of the season that we've experienced. Not just us, but the body of Christ. Amen? And the easiest thing in the world to do is quit and give up, throw in the towel and say, oh, this is, I don't know if this stuff really works or not. You know what I'm saying? And just kind of drift back. You know what I'm saying? No, no, no. God has great things in store for the people of God. And he says right here, Jesus said, have faith in God. Sometimes I have to look in the mirror, and I do. That's part of meditation. I'll look in the mirror and say, Keith, have faith in God. God's bigger than this situation that you face. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Have faith in God. Now, we looked at some situations, you know, and I'm just going to briefly mention them. But we looked at uh, the situation with uh, the guy that was uh, a paralytic in the Bible in, uh, the, in Luke's Gospel, chapter 17. I'm sorry, Luke's Gospel. Uh, where was that? Luke chapter 5. We're not going to go in there because of time, but we shared the over the last two weeks. We talked about the guy that was, you know, uh, was a, a cripple, couldn't walk, but he had four friends. You remember the situation there that uh, wanted to get him to Jesus, and they got to where Jesus was. He was on, a, on his bed. They carried him on a bed. He was born of four, it says. And they sought means because when they got to where Jesus was in his house, there was, it was jam-packed. There was nobody, no way they could get in the, in the door. And so the Bible says that they sought means how they could get to Jesus. They tried to figure out a way. So they had to be determined in, in light of obstacles, in light of, uh, you know, it doesn't look like there's a way to get in there. Somebody came up with the idea, there's nobody on the roof. Remember that? <laughs> I love this. And so they, they, they all carried their friend up on the roof and started to tear the roof apart. While Jesus is ministering, the Bible says the presence of the Lord was present to heal in that house. And they tore the roof off and they lowered their friend down, you know, through the roof. You know. Now that took faith on all their part, especially the guy on the, on, the, on the pallet, on the bed. He's already crippled. Maybe he can use his arms, but he can't use his legs. He's thinking, if you drop me, I might lose my arms too. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. All these thoughts that go through his mind. But, you know, they had to be determined and Jesus saw their faith. Jesus saw their faith. This was Jesus' house. That's why nobody gave him a hard time. If that was somebody else, they'd say, I'm calling my lawyer. I'm going to sue you right now. <laughs> Guys, tear my roof apart. Let's get the police over here right now. You know what I mean? But Jesus saw their faith, and he says, man, thy sins be forgiven thee. And he perceived that the Pharisees that were in there, you know, uh, you know, they said, but whether it's easier to say, thy sins be forgiven thee, or rise up and walk. And he says, but you might know that the power of man has the power to forgive and heal. I say unto you, rise up and walk. And he rose up and walk. Okay, so we looked at that. And we also looked at the woman uh, last week with the issue of blood. Here's another lady that received a miracle that had obstacles, not just one, but several obstacles, right? She was... Uh, had spent all that she had in Mark chapter 5. We read that. She spent all that she had. She spent on the doctors trying to get well. She spent all of her, her last dime on doctors in hopes that she would get well, only to get worse. 
So not only was she had a, a, a you know an incurable blood disease, but she spent all of her money, so her resources went dry. Okay, but somebody told her about Jesus because it says when she heard of Jesus, she said, "If I can just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole." Now, where did she hear that? How did she find out about that? Because there's other scriptures that talk about how people, as long as they, if they could just grab a hold of the hem of his garment. They were healed. It wasn't just the woman with the issue of blood. There were other people that were healed prior to that. And so somebody had to talk to her. Somebody had to testify. How else would she find out? Now this is before the internet. This is before television. Somebody in person told this lady, look, I know about a guy named Jesus, you know, and they went on and they explained to him. And it, what did it do? It created a hope, an expectation on the inside of her and that's like I said, hope comes before faith. And she heard these other testimonies. Okay, so they had this problem. They were healed, and they just touched the hem of his garment. And she said, now the Amplified says she kept saying, she kept saying, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. Well, she had all kind of obstacles. You know, she had that incurable blood disease. She had the, the finances. She ran out of finances. Uh, thirdly, we began to find out last week that under Levitical law, if you, had a, if you had an issue of blood, if you bled like that, you were in the same category as a man or a woman with leprosy. They couldn't go in the public eye. They were considered unclean under Jewish law. And in fact, they could be stoned for going in public. You know what? She didn't let that hold her back. When she came in the press behind, the Bible says, she touched his garment and Jesus perceiving that virtue or power had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said, Lord, the multitude is thronging thee or touching you. How sayest thou who touched me? He said, No, somebody made a demand on my power. So people were rubbing shoulders with Jesus, but there were no sparks flying. Amen. But when she touched him in faith, boy, there's a big difference. Amen. You know, you can go to a church service, but just show up. But if you go in faith, you're going to receive something. And I encourage you to do that. When I go to church, if I'm going to another meeting, I'm going to receive from the Lord. Amen? Make a demand on the power of God. Yes. Praise the Lord. And um, so we know the rest of the story. She got, she got healed. You know, Jesus turned him about. He didn't know who it was at first, but she fell down, told him all the truth, you know, and so forth. And he went on to say, Daughter, your faith has made you whole. She felt instantly that her issue of blood was dried up. In other words, that hemorrhaging that took place for all those years was instantly healed. Instantly healed. Amen? There's no reason why you can't be sitting in a church service just like this and all of a sudden, the hands don't even have to be laid upon you, but all of a sudden, there's a change in your body. Maybe you've been dealing with something in your body. Maybe there's a pain. Maybe there's a whatever. But while you're just sitting here, hearing the Word of God, all of a sudden a healing will manifest in your body. Right while you're sitting there. Hands weren't even laid on you. I believe that's going to happen more and more and more. You're just sitting there like, you're checking yourself. Hey, that pain's gone. It's gone. Amen? And uh, because the Word of God will produce that type of a thing. It will produce supernatural results. So the first key to being determined is to, first of all, have faith in God. Jesus didn't say just have faith in yourself or have faith in other people. 
He said, have faith in God. And so, the way that you do that, as you say it, that's how you, that's how you release your faith. You say it, Lord, I have faith in you today. And the you know, best time to do it is right at the start of the day. You ever notice the enemy tries to come to your soul right at the beginning of the day and say, oh, it's going to be a rough day. You know, you know. I, I was thinking about this yesterday, that hurricane storm that came up here. You know, we didn't get the bulk of it, but, you know, I was thinking it was so dark out and gloomy out. And I thought, you know what? The sunshine is right behind those clouds. It's right behind those clouds. Did you ever take off on an airplane? We did recently, you know, and we took off an airplane. It was raining on the ground. And as soon as you get above the cloud, the sun is boom, and it's out. Well, the sun is always there. And sometimes we're in the midst of clouds in our life, and it looks like, oh, is there any way out of this? But the sun is always shining, S-O-N. Amen. And there's always supernatural hope for us. Praise the Lord. So the Word of God will produce a, you know, a supernatural hope on the inside of us that we can, that God will come through for us. What areas in your life do you need Him to break through for you? Maybe some of the stuff you never even uttered. Maybe you never talked to another person about it. But there are things that you long for and desire that you want to see God do on the inside of your heart. Don't give up on that dream. Don't ever give up on that dream. It's never too late with God. Now let's go to uh, today to the book of Numbers chapter 21. Numbers chapter 21. And um, the first step, and I'll just mention this again, the first step to uh, being determined to win is number one, have faith in God. Mark eleven twenty two. Okay? So when you wake up in the morning, you say, Lord, I have, it doesn't take long to do that. I say, I have faith in you today. I trust you today. That's another way of saying it. Lord, I trust you today. I do that every single morning. Lord, I trust you today. As soon as my feet hit the floor and I'm walking around barely awake, I say, Lord, I put my trust in you today. Amen. And somehow he always gets me through. Even if something comes up, a storm comes up, some kind of an obstacle comes up, maybe two or three things in one day. (laughs) And you say, Lord, I trust you today. The Bible says it's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes or presidents or leaders. It says it's better to trust in the Lord. Better. Amen. It's better to trust Him. Well, if it's better, that means it's going to work out. Praise the Lord. Now, the second thing I want to talk about here, the second key to uh, being determined is we have to keep our eyes on Jesus. We have to keep our eyes on Jesus. Now, you say, then why are we going to the book of Numbers? Jesus isn't back there. Well, you might see something different here. But in Numbers chapter 21, if you go there with me, we'll start in verse 4. And this has to do with Moses, the Israelites, the children of Israel. And they're in the middle of the wilderness. They're in the middle of the desert. God has already brought them through, or actually He brought them out of Egypt with the ten plagues that happened there. And He brought them through the Red Sea and drowned the enemy. Remember that? Drowned the enemy. I have a good friend, a good friend of mine that's going over to... Uh, uh, the country of Saudi Arabia has finally opened it up for tourism over the last two years. 
And I have a good friend of mine I've known for a number of years. He's going over there uh, in a week from now to Saudi Arabia to visit Mount Sinai, the real Mount Sinai, the split rock of Horeb, and the, uh, 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 the Red Sea where it split. Amen. And to see the, the altar, the burnt peak where the mountain of God over there where God came down on the mountain. You know that mountain is still burnt? It's the only mountain in Saudi Arabia. That's where Mount Sinai is. Okay, even the Apostle Paul said, this Mount Sinai, which is in Arabia, he said that in the book of Galatians, all right? And, uh, and you have the golden calf altar that's still there, okay? All that stuff, it's like God just kept it right there, amen? But see, God had already done these miracles for the Israelites, so he expected them to have a little bit of faith and confidence that he wasn't going to leave them dry, I mean, think about it. He drowned the enemies. There are 400 years of slavery, 400 years in Egypt, and God dealt with them. He said, the enemy that you see today, you'll see no more again. Now, I'm going to wipe out the enemy. Okay? So, you would have thought that would have been the end of their doubt and fear and unbelief, and they would have trusted God from that moment forward, but they didn't. Okay? And so, this is human nature, and it says in uh, uh, Numbers chapter 21, it says, they journeyed from Mount Or by way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Edom. And the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. Notice that the people was much, not just a little bit, but much, a lot discouraged because of what? The way. Now we would say the process. Okay? So they're on a journey. God is getting ready to take them, wants to take them into the promised land, but they've got to go through the wilderness. Okay? And it's in the wilderness, it's in the place of the wilderness where they begin to get discouraged by what they're looking at, by what their five senses are telling them. And they became much discouraged because of the way or the process. In verse 5, and the people spake against God and against Moses. Wherefore have you brought us up out of the land of Egypt, out of the wilderness? For there is no bread, there is no water, and our soul loatheth this light bread. Now that means hate. Now what does that mean? They're complaining against God's provision because God was giving them manna every single day. Scripture even calls it angel's food. Did you ever have angel's food cake? This is better than that. This is literally angel's food. The Bible talks about that in Psalms. And so every single morning. Now here's the thing. We get the impression that there is these cakes on the ground every morning. That wasn't the cake. There was, a, there, there was the, this, like a coriander seed it looked like. And they would have to grind it and then bake it. It's not, I mean, God provided the food, but they still had to bake it in there. They had to grind it and then cook it and so forth, you know. And the manna was there in its raw form, but they had to cook it. But it was supernatural. And every single morning they would get up and they would go gather enough for their families. But the Bible says they loathed it. They hated it. They were like, we're tired of this light bread. Now, would you say that they're a little ungrateful? You know, you can get, 
people, our human nature, we can get used to the supernatural that it becomes commonplace. You know, just like the, 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 the saying you've heard, familiarity breeds contempt. You can be around a person so much so that you actually lose respect for them because it, you're so, it's so familiar to you. Okay? But they should have maintained their respect because when they got discouraged, their soul that has to do with their emotions, their mind. They said, we're tired of this process. We're tired of this out there. Now, they, they, all, they, they were so short-sighted, they couldn't see where they were going, where God was bringing them. And so these are mindsets that all of us have to be careful, all of us, including myself, that we have to be aware of that when things are taken longer than we think they should, there's a tendency to want to complain. Right? And like somebody, a preacher said, when you complain, you remain. <laughs> you stay in the same place. Right? Can I have an amen? Okay, let's read on here. Let's look at what happened right here. And the, the people, verse 5, said, They spake against God and against Moses. Wherefore have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? Well, that's not true. There's no bread and our so there's no water. Our soul loathed this life bread. Now, verse 6 says this, The Lord sent fiery serpents among the people and bit the people, and much people in Israel died. Now, the King James is a little bit different here because it says the Lord sent. But actually in the Hebrew... If you look it up, it's actually in the permissive sense, not in the causative sense. God's not sending fiery serpents. It said He permitted. Now, the King James says sent right there, but it actually means permitted. Now, why did He permit them? He sent fiery serpents among the people and bit the people, and much people in Israel died. You know, so you got these poisonous snakes, viperous snakes, and they started to bite the Israelites, and they began to die. Now look at verse 7. It says, Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord, and we've spoken against you. Pray the Lord that He take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. Notice that phrase, Moses prayed for the people. Wouldn't this have been a grand opportunity for Moses to say, You know, so you talked about me, huh? Talked about me behind my back. You talked about God. I'm just going to let you suffer. I'm not going to pray for you. But see, the heart of Moses, the Bible says that Moses was the meekest man on the planet. It says that. He was a humble man. And he prayed for the people. He didn't have to, but he did. All right? And therefore, the people, verse 7, they came to Moses and said, We've sinned. So they're confessing their faults, right? We, we've spoken against the Lord. We've spoken against you. So in other words, they were putting two and two together. But when they, when they opened their mouth, they began to complain that the devil, through the serpent, came out and bit them and killed them. Now there's a scripture in Ecclesiastes say, that says this, if, a, if the hedge is broken, the serpent shall bite him. A hedge means protection. Okay? And it says right there, We've spoken against Moses, Lord, against you, Moses, and against the Lord, so pray the Lord take these away from us. So the Lord said to Moses, verse 8, Make thee a fiery serpent, set it upon a pole, and it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass, put it on a pole, and it came to pass that the serpent had bitten any man. He lift, he, when he beheld the serpent of brass, 
he lived. Now, what's this mean? Now, brass or bronze represents always in the Bible, it represents judgment. Now, why would God tell Moses to put a brazen serpent on a pole to form it? You know, it took a little time. Put it on a pole that was high enough. And he said, whoever looketh upon this will live. Now, the word looketh doesn't mean just a a mere glance, like you just turn your head and you walk away. It means a continual stare. In other words, a gaze. You get your, your, your eyes fixed on this, okay? Now, hold your place here and go to John, just real quickly, to John chapter 3 and verse 14 in the New Testament. And Jesus talks about this very incident right here. In John chapter 3, verse 14, it says, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up. Okay? Now, this serpent, if you go back to Numbers, this serpent is symbolic of Jesus becoming the curse. Now, you know, in the pharmaceutical realm, you've seen the pole with a snake wrapped around it. How many have seen that? Okay, you say, well, that came from here. It came from the book of Numbers. That's where they get this analogy right here. Now, the serpent on the pole had to be high enough for there's three, over three million Israelites here at this time in the wilderness that many of them were bitten by snakes. Many died. These are poisonous vipers. And the antidote and the remedy for this was to look. This is God's instruction to Moses. This pole, this brazen serpent, you are to gaze upon it. Don't get your eyes off of it. Keep your eyes on it. And as you're looking at the serpent, healing is going to come to you. Now Jesus said, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up. This is a type and shadow of Jesus. When you look to Jesus, you can be healed. All the types and shadow of Jesus, this is a type of Jesus right here, right? Now here's, here's another thought. Where, where, the, where the snakes, the vipers, in the wilderness the whole time? They were there. They were always there. Matter of fact, to this day, they're there. Okay? They like dry, arid climates. I never understood people that like serpents for a pet. I don't quite get that. I just don't understand it, but you know. (laughs) Hallelujah. A snake is still a snake. It's going to bite you. If it's poisonous, you could say, you're a cute little snake. Boy, you're so cute. It'll still bite you and it'll kill you. It will kill you. Okay? It'll try to. But here's the thing. Here's what the Lord showed me. I never heard anybody preach on this. He said, Keith, did you notice the serpents, they were already in the wilderness, but they had no power and authority over them until they opened their mouth and they complained. I thought, oh, Jesus. How many times have I complained when I shouldn't have complained? How many times have I opened my mouth and said things like, oh, I've been just as guilty. Okay? But it wasn't like a condemnation thing. It was like, yeah, I've done that myself because of pressure, because of the way of the process. It said they became much discouraged because of the way. And they said they began to open their mouth up. And that's where we have to be really careful. When we get discouraged, we're looking at the wrong. If we're looking at the wrong thing, we will get discouraged. If you're looking at only the natural, if you're looking at your body, if you're looking at the government, if you're looking at the natural, 
it's easy to get discouraged. And then the next step would be open your mouth and complain. Okay? But what does that do? Well, what it did for them is it opened up the door. The Bible says in Ephesians, neither give place to the devil. They gave place to the devil by complaining and murmuring against their leader, Moses, who was really their best friend. What they thought was their worst enemy was really their best friend. It's amazing how times people can get mad at preachers. <laughs> Amen. But actually our job is to speak the truth and love. Amen. And so that we can grab a hold of these things. But they got offended at him. He said, we're tired of this bread. We're tired of this manna. They began to complain against the miraculous provision of God. How many of you know it's so important that we can always find something to complain about? You can always find something to complain about with your husband or your wife or your kids. How many of you know that? You can always find something to complain about with your job. You can always find something to complain about with your country. But what about the stuff that is working? What about finding the good stuff and amplify the good stuff? Accentuate the positive, eliminate the negative. And find the good in people and bring out the good in people. When you amplify the good in a person, even if it's a small percentage, that will encourage them to want to make a difference. Amen? You know, where I, where I work during the day in, with the school district, you know, we go to a school of the blind, and we, uh, uh, we, we pick up some kids that are in wheelchairs, you know, and they're precious, you know what I'm saying? And there's, there's, there's a lady that controls 150 buses that come in there, large buses, different types of buses that come in there every single day, twice a day, you know, and it's, it's a massive job as far as orchestrating that, directing traffic and all that, you know. And I was just, I was just like, I was like amazed. I'm like, man, she's been doing this a long time. She's a big woman, you know what I mean? I wouldn't even mess with her. Okay? <laughs> she's strong, you know. And, uh, and so I was pulling out and I, I winded my window down and I said, I said, you know what, you're doing such an amazing job. I said, the way you do this, you know. I could tell that made her day. Amen. But yet I see other people barking at her and yelling at her, complaining at her. But they don't know, they don't know the half of what she has to deal with as far as directing that kind of traffic flow. You know what I'm saying? And so the Lord dropped it in my heart to give her a compliment and to tell her she's doing a great job. Well, needless to say, every time I see her, she's giving me favor. You pull over here first, you know. <laughs> she's like smiling at me, you know what I mean? And, um, and I, I say that as a small seemingly small thing, but actually it's a huge thing because how many people out there just need a word of encouragement? Now, did I witness to her? No. Did I share the gospel with her? No. What did I do? I planted seeds on the inside of her. And people just need to know they're doing a good job. Some people just need a, you know, you might think that, but put it to words. Put it to action. Right? And it's just amazing because it comes back on them, it comes back on you, and it just creates a, a good cycle of good things. Amen? But yet I see other people complain and beeping their horn, you know, yelling at her and stuff like that. I'm like, dude, you don't know the half of what she has to deal with. Try doing her job. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, uh, and just, to be, just to have a heart of gratitude and, you know, and, and I look at our mechanics and stuff that work on all of our buses and stuff like that there where I work, you know, and, and, and I mean, they're, they're, they're fixing problems. If you need a mechanic, there's a problem. 
So they're always dealing with stuff that's broken or needs fixed or whatever. You know what I'm saying? And, 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 I'll, and I'll, I'll say to them, Sam, you guys are just amazing. The way, I just watch the way you guys do things, you know. And, 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 uh, and I, that's just the way God put, made me, put it inside my heart, to be an encourager to people. And it just takes the sting out of the job. It takes the sting out of the complaining that so many people have a complaint. Do you ever meet people that have a complaining spirit? I know you never met someone like that before. So through the years, I've had people complain to me about our church and complain about what we, you know, if you would do this differently or that differently. That doesn't mean we're not open to suggestions. But, you know, be part of the solution. Don't be part of the problem. Right? And, and encouragement can go a long way. If someone's having a difficulty overcoming an area in their lives and they're having a struggle in their lives, magnify the good things in that person's life. I'm telling you, it'll go a long way. It'll build a trust on the inside of them. It'll build a confidence. It may seem like it's falling on deaf ears when you do it, but trust me, God's doing a work inside of their heart. Amen? There's many times, I'll tell you, the Lord's our biggest encourager. Jesus is our biggest encourager. He believes in us more than anybody else. And there's, there's many, many times I'm just going along busy doing something, this or that, you know, and, and the Lord will interrupt my time. Now, I don't hear him audibly, but I hear him inside here just like you hear him. And many times the Lord will interrupt me and stop me and say, Keith, I just want you to know I love you today. Okay? And I'm like, oh, man, I needed to hear that. Because you get so busy doing things, you know what I mean, and taking care of situations and that we tend to forget that, but always be reminded. There's not a day, to my knowledge, there's not a day in my life that goes by that I don't tell my wife and my two kids, and even my dog too, you know. I love that little furry woman. She's so beautiful, you know. I'm not talking about my wife, okay. But I, <laughs> just playing with you. But, but I, 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 but I tell, I tell my family every day more than once. Just want you to know, I love you. I'll either tell them or text it or both. Okay. They do the same thing to me. And what do you do when you do that? You're reaffirming your love for one another. Does that mean we're perfect? No, we're not perfect. I'm not perfect. None of us are perfect. But when we build our relationships on believing in each other and the faith that we have in each other and the love, that reaffirming the love that we have for one another. You know, it's like the guy that came in for marriage counseling years ago. His wife was crying. And the counselor, the pastor said, tell me what the problem is. And she said, well, she, he never tells me that he loves me. Never. The only time he told me was the day we got married. So he turns over to the husband. He says, is that true? He says, well, I did tell her on the wedding day, but if I ever change my mind, I'll tell her. <laughs> well, she needs some reassurance. All of us need reassurance. Well, that's just not my nature. I'm just quiet. Well, break the mold. Break the mold. Say, sweetheart, I believe in you. I love you. Amen. Well, they know how I feel. Well, they, they may not know how you feel until you open your mouth. Aren't you glad that God isn't dumb? And I mean, well, he can't speak. 
Paul said to the Corinthian church, you follow these dumb idols that cannot speak. That doesn't mean stupid. It means they can't speak. But we serve a living God who has a voice, who speaks, and he loves to speak. Hallelujah. And I believe he's speaking to us today. Hallelujah. And he always wants to reassure us. We think sometimes the only way God would speak to us if it's some deep revelation, you know. Yes, he can do that. But he wants to reassure us every single day of his love for us, that he cares for us. He's a father that cares for us. He's going to take care of us. And when you face, when I face adversity, I have to remind myself, wait a minute, I have a father who loves me. He's going to take care of me. When the chips are down, it doesn't look very good. Some discouraging news comes. I have to look inside me and say, okay, Lord, you're my father. You'll take care of me. And he always comes through. But we have to receive that encouragement inside of our spirits. Amen. And uh, their, their soul, this, this situation here in the book of Numbers, their soul was much discouraged because of the process, because of the way. Has that ever happened to us? Oh, why is it taking so long? Oh, God, I've been waiting for years. I've been praying about this for years, you know. So it's so easy to get discouraged. But you can actually encourage yourself like David did. You can encourage yourself in the Lord your God. You can, I preached a sermon a few weeks ago, if you heard it, or if you were here, maybe you heard it on the phone lines. You can preach yourself out of anything. Every one of you is a preacher. You have a voice. That doesn't mean you have a podium and you're an evangelist, but I mean, you have a voice. You can preach to yourself. You can tell yourself, hey, like David did that. David said, bless the Lord, O my soul. He said, why are you so downcast, O my soul? Put your hope in God. He's telling himself that. Why are you so downcast? Why are you all depressed, David? Put your hope in God. Amen. So he would preach himself into a place of like, okay, Lord, and God would come through. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, one scripture, one scripture in your heart and in your mouth is enough to defeat the devil. Amen. Even if you read, if you read one chapter a day, if you just take one chapter a day, and you may not fully understand it or fully grasp it, it's still nourishing your spirit. I don't claim to know everything that this, I don't claim to have all the revelation and knowledge of everything. There's things I don't understand in here too. How many of you know what I'm talking about? There's certain things you read like, doesn't mean anything to me. <laughs> but major on what you do know, not what you don't know. Always major on the things that you do know. The Lord is my shepherd. Yes, he's going to take care of me. The Lord is my refuge, my fortress. Yes, Psalm 91, he's going to protect me. If that's all, you know, the av- I, I heard an actual report that the average Christian in America knows way more than the average pastor overseas. They have very limited knowledge. There are people, there are pastors in Africa, you have more revelation knowledge than they have. Because they just don't know. They haven't been taught correctly. But what they do know, they preach it. We're so spoiled in some sense of the word. We have so much information. We have so much preaching and teaching. Thank God for that. But we don't realize how full we really are. We have enough word on the inside of us to sustain us. Listen, if you never learned another scripture from here forward, you would have enough inside of you to sustain you through this world. 
You have it. You have what it takes. We have what it takes. All of us do. Amen. I'm preaching myself happy this morning. What time is it here? So we have to look to the Lord. Okay? Let's look at one more scripture and we'll close here. Okay? Matthew chapter 14. I don't want to keep you beyond 12 o'clock here. But, but in Matthew chapter 14, and the second point that we're looking at is to, to stay determined, we have to look to the right thing. We have to look to Jesus. So the Israelites, they looked on this brazen serpent. Would you not say that this serpent is a type of Christ? Yes. It is, because Jesus said that. But it wasn't a mere glance, it was a continual stare. Did you ever hear someone say, quit staring at me? Jesus is saying, stare at me. Because when you behold him and you look to him, those infirmities, think about that. If they were bitten by a poisonous snake, they're just thinking, just keep looking. Don't get your eyes off the serpent, just keep looking. Every minute, as a minute would go by, they said, you know what? I don't feel that pain anymore. I don't feel nauseated anymore. Actually, I feel pretty good. And all of a sudden, they're healed. All because of what they were looking at. What you look at on a regular basis will determine whether you sink or swim inside your spirit. It's what, what we're looking at. Don't get caught up in all the hype and all the stuff that's going on in the earth. But get caught up with Jesus. Get caught up with Him. Look to Jesus. Here's a prime example of this right here. And we'll read here in Matthew 14, verse 24. It says, Now the ship was in the middle of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, what's that mean between 3 o'clock and 6 o'clock a.m.? Darkest hour. In the fourth watch of the night... Jesus went to them walking on the sea. Hello. <laughs> and it says, when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled and they said, it is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. Now here we are. Here's Jesus walking on the water. They don't recognize him. They think it's a ghost. And they're shrieking out for fear, not knowing that it's, it's the actual Messiah himself until he reveals himself. But it says right here, when they saw him walking on the sea, verse four, or 26, they, they were troubled saying, it is a spirit, and they cried out for fear. That means they shrieked with fear. They freaked out. And Jesus straightway spake unto them saying, be of good cheer. Now what does that mean? Get happy. <laughs> Here you have an extreme fear of like, can you imagine the fear that they're thinking? Because superstition, what, back in those days, just like today, it's just like people have superstitions about a black cat and a ladder and all this kind of stuff, you know? Well, fishermen's superstition was if you saw a spirit on the water, that meant within seconds you're dead, you're drowning. Okay? Can you imagine these fishermen, former fishermen, this is going through their mind. People don't walk on the water. I saw a spirit walking on the water. That means we're going to die. And they're, they're just crying out. They're in total panic and fear. They weren't just a, a little bit afraid. They were sore afraid. <laughs> they were afraid. And Jesus said, be of good cheer. In other words, get happy. Isn't that, isn't that an odd response when someone's in fear? And they're shrieking out with fear, crying for fear. Hurting. I mean, they're just hurting. And Jesus shows up and says, get happy. Don't worry. 
be happy. <laughs> right? Well, that's what happened right here. He said, uh, Jesus said, be of good cheer, get happy. It is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered and said, Lord, if it be you, then ask me to come to you on the water. And he said, come, one word. Jesus came down, or, or Peter came down out of the ship, walked on the water. A man walked on the water to go to Jesus. Think about that. Well, what's Jesus going to say? It's not me. Peter kind of blocked himself in here. He said, Lord, if that's you, then tell me to get out of the boat and come walking on the water. Well, Jesus is going to say, well, it's not me. Don't try this at home. This is for spiritually mature people. Jesus said one word, come. Someone said Peter walked on the water. No, he didn't. He walked on the word. The word of God. Not until Jesus gave the word could he walk on the water. When Jesus gives you the word, you can do anything that seems impossible. And it says right here, he answered and said, bid me to come to thee on the water. Verse 29, he said, come. And when Peter was coming down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Verse 30 says, this is when it all started to fall apart. And when he saw, he looked, right? When he saw, he looked at the wind, boisterous. He was afraid, beginning to sink. He cried saying, Lord, save me. Well, you, you, know, you can't see the wind, but you can see the effects of the wind. So what did the, on the water, what does wind produce? Waves. Surfers like it, but not when you're walking on the water. <laughs> now listen, you can't walk on the water on a calm day. The waves had nothing to do with it. When he saw the wind, boisterous, verse 30, he was afraid. So what he looked at affected the condition of his heart. What we look at today will affect the condition of our heart. If we're looking at the wrong things, then fear, fear can have preeminence. But if we're looking to Jesus, we have peace. Amen? Well, it says he began to sink. He became afraid. And uh, he cried out, Peter cried out in verse 30, Lord, save me. Help me, Lord. Now, he didn't say that in a Presbyterian tone, like, Lord, helpest thou me. <laughs> he cried out and said, God, help me. You know, save me. You know, I'm drowning. I need your help. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand, caught him, and said unto him, O oh, you of little faith, wherefore did you doubt? Okay? And so they, he reached down, pulled him out of the water, there's a lot in here that I could get into, but I want you to notice here the mercy of God is extended to Peter even though he missed it. He, he initially began to walk on the water. Can you imagine that? He's a, he was a professional fisherman. That never happened before. And all of a sudden he's, all, he's walking. He probably can't hardly believe it, but he's walking on the water. And all of a sudden the devil throws up a big wind and then there's some waves coming at him. And so, so what's he do? He gets his focus off of Jesus, like the pole and the serpent, and he gets his eyes on the circumstance, on the water and the waves, and it says he began to sink. 
Now, I've, I've jumping off a few diving boards in my life, you know, not recently. But you never begin to sink. When you jump off, you're committed. You're going under instantly. It's not like this slow process. But what we have here is, he's, you know, he's going from ankle to knee to waist. Peter's going down. He's sinking. He's sinking. Doubt. Listen, listen real careful. Fear and doubt are two tormenting twins meant to push you under. Fear and doubt. Because Jesus said, wherefore did you doubt? How did Peter doubt? He got his eyes off of Jesus. He got his eyes off the living word. Had he kept his eyes on Jesus, he would have kept walking. That would have never taken place. (laughs) The sinking situation, right? But even though Peter missed it, Jesus still in his mercy reached down, pulled him back up, and they walked back to the boat. And Jesus didn't chastise him in the sense that, you know, why did you miss it? You know, he's just saying, man, you, you started out good. Even your little faith that you had, you were able to walk on the water. Okay? Now, what in the world does that have to do with us today? Is it just a, a nice little history lesson? You can go to that lake that's still there today, the Sea of Galilee, the same water and the same offspring of the fish are still, you can still eat the offspring of the fish that Jesus caught and ate that fish. And Peter caught that fish and there was tax money in his mouth. Remember that? And the offspring of those fish are still in that lake today. It's the same water, same lake. Amen. And you can visit that lake and go out there and say, man, Jesus, Peter walked on this lake. He walked on this water. Okay? Now, here's, here's where I want to kind of close it off here today. This is so important that we understand that no matter what we're facing in life, whatever you're facing in this life right now, if you keep your eyes on the Word of God, the Jesus is the Word. So you say, well, how do I look to Jesus? I don't see a guy with a long beard and, and a tunic and all that. I don't see that. Well, when you look to the Word of God, you're looking to Jesus, keeping the Word before you. He is the living Word. And when you keep your eyes on Jesus, the Word of God, and rehearse the promises and rehearse the Word of God on a daily basis, you're looking to Jesus. You will not sink. You will not. The only way that we can sink or fail is if we get our eyes off of Jesus. Amen? As ministers, our job is to get people's focused on one person, not the man, Jesus. Our goal, our job is to get people's focused on Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, because He is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and He will help us. He will lift us up from the miry clay. He'll put our feet upon a rock, and He'll establish our goings. And what was meant for disaster, what was meant for defeat, shall fall right before your eyes. Because when you look to the Lord and you look to Him, you're looking at the most steadfast, sure rock that there ever has been. You're looking to God Himself. And His Word cannot fail. 
People fail, but God never fails. God never fails. So put your trust back on the Lord. Put your trust in the Word. Put your trust in Him. You say, well, Pastor, I've gotten off. I've got, hey, I have too at times. There's times I've got my mind, my eyes on the wrong things, and you start to sink in your emotions. You begin to sink, you know. But just pick yourself right back up. Brush yourself off. Don't have a pity party. The worst thing you can do is have a, self-pity is the worst thing you could get into. Why did this happen to me? Why did that happen? Don't ask those questions. I could do the same thing. Lord, why did this happen to me? Why did that happen to me? That's the wrong question to ask. Because all, that, all that's meant to do is to get you back in fear, doubt, and unbelief and get you back into self-pity. And where do you go from there? Nowhere. That's nowhere but down. We want to go up. We want to look to Jesus. And He will lift us up. He will build us up. And I, I think, uh, I, thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father, right now. Hallelujah, that we're getting our eyes our focus back on you where it needs to be. Forgive us for not putting our trust in you. Forgive us for not putting our eyes upon you like we should or could. We thank you for your mercy. We receive your love. We, for, we receive your forgiveness. We receive your mercy right now. Now, Lord, I ask you right now to lift us back up. Help us, Lord. You wouldn't ask us to do something we couldn't do. Help us, Lord, to get our focus, get our attention back on you, the living word, the living God. Hallelujah. For many, saith the Lord, many have lost their peace. Many have lost their joy when it should have remained. All because they got their eyes on the wrong thing. But just because you got your eyes on the wrong thing, don't stay in that position, saith the Lord. Don't stay in that place of doubt and self-pity and fear. But pick yourself up, brush yourself off, and get your eyes back on me, and I will lift you up above the circumstance, and I will lift you above that which normally pulls you down. And I'll bring courage to your heart and peace to your mind, and the victory will be eminent because your trust is is in me. So trust in me and all will be well. Say out loud every day as you wake up, Lord, I trust in you, the living God. And you will set your sails, you will set your course for the day to get me involved in every area in the affairs of your life. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. There's somebody out there right now that I believe on the phone lines in, the, in our conference call right now that you've been having this condition in your physical body right now that has brought discouragement to you. And it's been a constant battle, something in your physical body that's been going on for a while. But the Lord's breaking through for you today and He's letting you know today that He's turning the tables on your adversary and it's turning for your good. 
And now you're going to start seeing, because the Lord is speaking this to you right now, you're going to start seeing the turnaround, the breakthrough as you would. You're going to start seeing that symptoms are going to change from worse to getting better. Know this, the Lord is the one that's bringing it to pass. And so he's saying to you today, be encouraged. Be not afraid, be not troubled. The Lord is looking out for you today. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, I have no idea who that's for, but I just felt that prompting in my spirit to release that. Praise the Lord. Worship you, Jesus. Worship you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 